it is a blessing to be with you this morning. Um, and I, I really like that that song, Until Then. I think that was a good introduction to today. As many of you know, I've been going through the Hall of Faith um, for my last several meetings. Um, it's a series that I started uh, when I was at Grace and Truth, and now I've continued it um, since I've joined here at Northwest. And uh, uh, you can uh, listen to any of those um, sermons on my website if you'd like more information. I can let you know after the service. But today, we are going to look at uh, the birth of Isaac in Genesis 21. But before we do that, I'm just going to read um, a verse in Hebrews 11. Um, and I'll go ahead and uh, start with verse 9, because I think it kind of ties his journey into what we just sang about and also goes into today's topic. Hebrews 11, verse 9. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same problem, promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Let's open an order prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come before you today and to open your word. We pray that you would have eyes to see and ears to hear that which you have uh, to share with us today. And we pray that we would be changed people for having been here, uh, different from the people that came in. And we pray your blessing upon uh, all that are in this room and all that had to leave, Lord, we pray that you would be with them on the road and just at, be with them wherever they are and that they would know that they are loved and cared for. Lord, we thank you again for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21. Now, it's interesting that in Genesis, I believe it's Genesis chapter 15, God tells Abraham, you're going to have an heir. You're going to have a son. Then he comes back to him in Genesis chapter 17 and says, Abram, you're going to have you're going to have a son. And then finally in Genesis chapter 18, um, the Lord comes in person, sits down with Abraham, and says, You're going to have a son this time next year. So now today. We're finally going to look at the fulfillment of this promise. And uh, I just think it's such an encouragement to me to see this story unfold because I don't know about you, but sometimes when I think of the way um, 
humans promise things or the way I promise things, I know they fall short. And so sometimes we can allow that thinking to get into our minds about, well, if this is the way people keep promises, maybe it's the way God keeps his promise. But um, in this first verse, we see that that is not true. And so this first point I want to make to you is that God's promise is kept. As we look at the birth of Isaac, God's promise is kept. And let's look at this first verse here. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. Think about those words. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. There's another verse that says all the promises of God are yes and amen. If God makes a promise to us, we can believe that it is true. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of what God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And I think there, there's significance here in the detail that they're going to here. The name of the son that was born to him that Sarah bore to him. Why is this important? Because Abraham already had a son and his name was Ishmael. But God said, this is not the son of the promise. You're going to have a son from your own loins who will be your heir. And from Sarah. Because remember he had said at one point, Lord, um, why can't Ishmael be my heir? And God said, no, Ishmael isn't going to be your heir. And he said, Lord, my servant Eliezer has walked before me all these years. He's a faithful servant. Why can't he be? And God said, no. You will have a son and he will be your heir. And you are going to be the father of many nations. Way back in Genesis chapter 12, he's told that through him, all nations of the world would be blessed. And of course, we know that Isaac had Jacob and Esau and Jacob had Judah. And Judah was the tribe from which the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ, came. So these are significant things. So he calls his name Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God commanded him. And Abraham was an hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. Now, I don't remember what the exact math is, but I think it's something like 25 years from the time Abraham is told, you and Sarah are going to have a son, to now when he's 100. And his son is born. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear me will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son 
in his old age. Now remember, both Abraham and his wife Sarah had laughed when God had said, you're going to have a son. They both had this similar response because this was not something normal. This was not something that seemed possible. And so they had the natural human response of laughter. In today's day and age, if a woman has a a baby even in her early to mid-40s, people raise an eyebrow. So 90, that was a, a big deal. But as I read this passage, I just think about, again, the detail with which God keeps his promises. For these first two verses lay out the details. The second verse again says, For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Remember God said, This time next year I will visit Sarah and she will have a son. God didn't wait a few extra weeks from that time. He didn't come a few weeks early. He came right on time. I think sometimes when I'm going through life and I'm having difficulties, uh, I will often say to God, you know, anytime you want to relieve this difficulty, you can. Anytime you want to take away this burden, you can. Anytime you want to meet this need you can and a lot of times he will meet a need right on time when in my economy it was late because late is anything that isn't yesterday and I know we've all been there but God was right on time and it reminds me of another story story of a young woman in the New Testament in Luke chapter 1, if we could, if someone could turn to Luke chapter 1, verses 36 and 37, we'll see a New Testament example with a very similar happening from a young lady by the name of Mary. If someone has that, they can stand and read it for us. Which verses? Luke 1, 36 and 37. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. So again we see God works in the impossible. Because he wants all the credit. In my studies of the Bible, I have found that the people that God uses are usually the people who are useless in the world's eyes. God uses useless people. Why? Because if you think that you're useful, if you think that you're something, then God can't use you. There's no room for him to work. As we go on through this, this chapter, we will get into the story of Gideon, and we won't dwell there now, but thinking about Gideon, remember what he said 
before they went to battle the Midianites, he said, if I give you too many men, then you'll say, by my hand have I been delivered from the Midianites. But when he brought it down to 300 men, there was nothing that could be said other than that the Lord gave the victory. I feel in my own life that God gave me what I thought when I was a young boy was an impossible calling. I, feel very much, I felt very much like Moses when I first heard God calling me to preach. And I, and I spent a lot of years of my young childhood, even though I was saved, even though I knew where my permanent destination lie, my temporary destination stunk. And I let God know about it often. And this morning was another one of those challenging times when I wish that wheelchairs were not a part of my life because... As I was preparing to come today, my van broke down and I had to make a last minute switch to my manual chair and my brother has to lift me several times today, so it's a hardship on him as well. But one day, as we sang in that song before the service began, one day, my eyes will behold that city. And I will be free of pain, free of this wheelchair. And because of that, until then, I, with joy, I can carry on. Because I look for a city whose builder and maker is God. And the hope that I have is the same hope that Abraham had. Let, let's not forget this. Jesus said this of Abraham. He said, Abraham looked up and rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Abraham, who was born thousands of years before Jesus came to the earth in bodily form, realized who God was. And so many people that saw him in the flesh did not. What an amazing thought that is. But God keeps his promises. The Bible says that Jesus was born of a woman at the fullness of time. When the time was right, Jesus came. And the same thing is said of his next coming, that when the time is right, he will come and he will make things right. It's not for us to know the times or the seasons. It's for us to be faithful until that time and to be prepared for that time. So a good question to ask yourself today is, are you ready? For him to come again. I challenge you with that. Here's just a little story about the power of God's promises. An elderly Christian was in much distress as he lay dying. Oh, pastor, he said, for years I have relied upon the promises of God. But now in the hour of death, I can't remember a single one to comfort me. Knowing that Satan was disturbing him, the preacher said, My brother, do you think that God will forget any of his promises? 
A smile came over the face of the dying believer as he exclaimed joyfully, No, he won't. Praise the Lord. Now I can fall asleep in Jesus and trust him to remember them all and bring me safely to heaven. Peace flooded his soul, and a short time later, he was ushered by the angels into the light of God's eternal day. What a blessing that even when we forget, he does not. I've always thought it was the ultimate paradox that the God who never forgets any of his promises, if you read about the children of Israel throughout the promise, throughout the Old Testament, he will remind them of the promises that he gave them. And the, but the God that, that keeps his promises, that remembers his promises, chooses at the same time, to forget our sin. What an amazing truth that is hard for the human mind to comprehend. Well, this next part is kind of a sad part of the story. But I look at this as Sarah dealing with the consequences of distrusting God's promise. Remember God had told Abraham and Sarah. You're going to have a son. They waited a few years. And she said. I'm past childbearing. I'm barren. There's no way that I can have a son. Unless. I do the culturally acceptable thing. And I give you my maid. And she has a baby. And she bears it on my knees. And I claim that baby as my own. And Abraham listened to his wife. And Ishmael was born of Hagar. And here's what kind of the results of that decision were. Verse 8. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of the bondwoman in all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. <clears throat> And also the son of the bond, also of the of the bondwoman, will I make a great nation, because he is thy seed. And Abraham rose up early that morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child, and sent her away. And she departed, and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. I have no doubt in reading this, that Abraham loved his son Ishmael.
But if Abraham had just waited on God, he could have avoided the pain and heartache that unfolds through these verses. Sometimes when we make decisions, they have far-reaching consequences. It says in Galatians that be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you sow good, you'll reap good. If you sow evil, you'll reap evil. And I, I find it interesting that when, when Hagar first had her baby, Sarah was like, I'm claiming this baby as my own because I couldn't have any children. But listen to how her tone changes in verse 10 of 21. She said, Wherefore said Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, Isaac. See, when Ishmael was all there was, he was good enough. But when Isaac came along, he was just the son of a bondwoman. I don't know how I would have dealt with having a wife like that or being someone like Abraham. But I often think of this story because I know particularly in the area of relationships, there have been times when I've wanted things to happen that haven't happened and I go back to this story and I'm like, I don't want to make the mistake that Abraham did and not trust God. If God promises you something, believe him. It may take a while, but don't give up. He told Abraham before he went down to Egypt, on his way down to Egypt to see Joseph, or he told Israel, that's right, he told Israel, on his way down to Egypt to see Joseph, he said, your, your children are going to be in bondage to the Egyptians for 400 years, but I will deliver them. And I was reading that recently, and I was thinking, what must have been going through his head to know that that was coming and yet to trust God? just want to look back real quick at Genesis chapter 16, verse 10, just to kind of think about how this whole Oh, this is when uh, Hagar ran away, and and he had made God had made a promise to her at that time. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, "I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude." And so even in this. 
distrusting of God's promise, God is going to bring blessing to Hagar. And of course, that brought her back to her mistress for a time. And then, of course, she is cast out when Isaac is born. But I just think about, in that regard, I think about how God gives promises to those who don't deserve it. You know, often we look at the evil men in this world and we say, why does God allow them to continue to be evil or to succeed? But then I remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, that God causes rain on the just and on the unjust. He has mercy for them all, and surely we have all been in the unjust category before the grace of God reached down and got a hold of us. So we see Ishmael cast out. Now in this third part of Genesis 21, we will see a reiteration of God's promises to Hagar because of who Abraham is. Remember, he said to Abraham in verse 13, and also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation because he is thy seed. So because of Abraham, Ishmael would be blessed. And it says in verse 15, and the water was spent in the bottle and she cast the child under one of the shrubs and she went and sat down over against him a good way off as it were a bow shot for she said let me not see the death of the child and she sat over against him and lift up her voice and wept and God heard the voice of the lad and the angel of God called unto Hagar out of heaven and said unto her what aileth thee Hagar fear not for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is Arise, lift up the lad, hold him in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and went and filled the bottle with water, and gave the lad drink. And God was with the lad, and he grew in the wilderness, and became an archer. And he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took him a wife out of the land of Egypt. So she went back to the land where she had come from. In some ways, this is like Orpah in the book of Ruth who went back to Moab to live. And it'd be nice to say that because of these encounters with God, Hagar raised her son to honor God. We have indications that that is not what happened. And we would wonder why why would God bless Ishmael the way that he did when it caused so much conflict? Conflict in the Middle East that is happening to this day is because of Abraham's foolish decision. So why? Why would God allow that to happen? We don't really know. But we do know this. God, when he makes a promise, he keeps it. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't say... Well, maybe I, maybe I will get rid of this promise. No. He promised to both Abraham and to Hagar 
I'm going to bless your son. And so that's what he did. And uh, I just think about the way that God brings the Gentiles into his family. Jesus said to the Phoenician woman in the book of John, chapter 7, I believe, I'm only come to the house, to the, to the lost sheep of Israel. And she said, but Lord, even the dogs get the crumbs of the master's table. And then he heals her daughter and he said, great is your faith. Your daughter will be made whole. My dad often reminds us that we are nothing but Gentile dogs. But we have found crumbs. And they are delicious. They are amazing. I am a, I'm a son and an heir of God. And a joint heir with Jesus. He has paid for my sin. He has grafted me in. And he can do the same for you. So the question is, are you serving him? Are you trusting him? The Bible says in Ephesians that we were once far off, but we've been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. The question we all must ask is, have we been brought near? Have we allowed the blood of Christ to atone for our sins personally? A lot of people can tell you that Jesus died on the cross. They might even say that he died on the cross for sin, but can you say that he died on the cross for your sin? That he took your place? That he became sin for you so that you might be made the righteousness of God? That is why I am going to be able to stand before the gates of heaven. And when, if he asks me why I should come in, I will say, because you made him to be sin for me, who knew no sin, that I might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's my only hope. That's my only hope. John chapter 1 says that he came unto his own and his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Genesis chapter 17 verse 20 just to reiterate um, God's promise to Abraham regarding Ishmael, he said, And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him a fruitful, make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he begot, and I will make him a great nation. Now, what nation does that sound like? It sounds like the nation of Israel. So, but these two. Comparable nations 
who obviously went in completely different directions when it comes to trusting God, but God blessed nonetheless. Sometimes I wonder why God allows certain people to continue to live when they hate him so much and they hate his principles and they hate what he stands for. But then I remember in the book of Jeremiah where it says it's of God's mercies, Andrew, that you're not consumed every day. You have nothing with which to stand. Remember, I said that when we trust Jesus Christ, we are given his righteousness and we become sons of God. In 1 John it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. The story is told of Napoleon that one day when Napoleon's horse ran away, a lowly soldier caught him. Napoleon said, Thank you, Captain. The man at once packed his belongings, moved to the officers' quarters, and went to mess with them. The emperor had called him Captain, and he was therefore an officer. Same thing goes for us. We are all miserable sinners, but when we receive Jesus Christ, he calls us sons of God. Let us then promptly pack our belongings and move into the higher life to which he has appointed us. Today, our world is getting darker and darker. Jesus said of the Pharisees, Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. There are so many people in our country who are calling good evil and evil good right now. Yes. We must stand for the truth unequivocally. And we must pray for our leaders. The Bible says in Proverbs, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord and he turns it whither Soever he will. When I think about our president, it can get discouraging, but then I remember Nebuchadnezzar, and if God can humble Nebuchadnezzar, he can humble anyone. And so that's what I pray for that he would humble us and that he would humble our leaders. For he said, to Solomon at the dedication of the temple, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will heal their land. The question that I have for you is, do we believe it? Sometimes we, we read of the promises of God so much that it's hard to believe that they're actually true. But God is here, as he said today, to let you know that his promises are true. He told Abraham, you will have a son. And Abraham had a son at 100 years old. 
at a time when it was least likely to happen, he had a son. And we'll get into in our next few weeks, in our next few sessions, how Isaac would have similar issues. These people that were supposed to be of a great nation, God let them struggle to get there. Because he wanted them to remember, I am the Lord your God. What was it that he told the children of Israel over and over again? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. He said it over and over again because they needed to hear it over and over again. And he says to us every morning, every Sunday morning at the breaking of bread, I am the one who died for you and rose again so that you could have life. And he gave us the Lord's table so that we could remember because we are a forgetful people. I still remember the first time I went to an assembly and we had communion and I was like, I must have shown up on communion Sunday. Because I didn't yet understand that it was a weekly thing. And the next week I was like, well, they must do this pretty regularly. And I gradually got to realize and appreciate the beauty of being able to break bread every week and remember. Because it's the greatest thing that ever happened. And so I hope today that as we have looked into the story of Isaac's birth, that you will remember that this promise-keeping God who told Abraham, you will have a son, and through your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed, also sent our Savior, Jesus Christ, in the fullness of time, to bring us closer to him, to save those without strength, And if you have not trusted him as your personal Lord and Savior, I urge you to do so today. There's no safer place to be than in the center of the will of God. Society may be in upheaval. Storms may go throughout the land. Either literal natural disasters or just storms of the culture. But God will keep us safe. The Bible tells us not to fear him who can kill the body, but to fear him who can cast our soul into hell. The devil doesn't want you to make the decision to trust Christ because he hates you. Because you're made in the image of God. But Jesus has his arms open wide. And he says, whosoever will may come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this story of Isaac's birth. We thank you for the fulfillment of the promise. We thank you for the many promises that you would fulfill after this and the many that you have left to fulfill. Thank you that we can trust you with them. Lord, we pray that as we go our way today that you would bless us in our endeavors. 
that we would honor you, that we would trust you, that we would love you. And we pray that if it be your will, you would bring us back here safely next week to again break bread with the Lord's people. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would keep them safe, that you would make your face to shine upon them, and that you would give them peace. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Could we uh, sing number five and as we go separately?